sing with us. Sing Silent Night, Holy Night. Good morning, everybody. Why don't you guys stand to your feet with us so we can worship?
so much. You can have a seat. Uh, it's a fun time, fun time of the year, Christmas season, to be singing the Christmas songs, and we're just so glad that you joined us uh, for Sunday worship at Community. Uh, if, if you've been here a lot of times, welcome, but especially if you're new here, we're really glad that you're here. And if you'd like to connect a little bit, uh, maybe have some questions answered or just connect a little bit more with what we do as a church, uh, we're always out in the lobby to my right. There's a banner that says Community Kids Check-In. Right beside that, there's a table. And someone's always there to answer any questions you may have, or if you want to connect a little bit more, uh, you can say hello there afterwards. And uh, I say this most weeks, but it's our hope, it's our prayer that every week as we gather together, that you connect a little bit more with God, uh, with each other, and with the purpose that he's given you. And that's why we meet together, why we do things throughout the week in our homes and our communities. And uh, so we're really glad you're here. I want to highlight a couple things that are happening uh, here in the next few days. This coming Wednesday is our next round of Bible classes for Edwardsburg Middle School and high school students. We had a great day on Friday. I think we had over 175 elementary kids here on Friday uh, doing the Christmas story, Jesus' birth with them, and that was, that was so much fun. And then we get to hang out with the middle school and high school students Wednesday. So if you can help at all, please let me know. I'll kind of be out in the lobby for a lot of these things I mentioned afterwards. If you have any questions or can tell me about your avail availability to help, uh, that's coming up on Wednesday. Uh, on Friday, this has become kind of an annual tradition here where we can kind of bless uh, the foster parents and foster families in Cass County. And so this is probably our fourth or fifth or sixth year hosting their Christmas party for them. So this will be this Friday night uh, in the gym. So if you'd like to come and help serve food or if you'd like to make a donation to that, you can send me an email or also I'll be out in the lobby uh, for that afterwards. And then the last thing I want to mention, uh, we are one week away from our annual Christmas offering. And uh, again, this year, we're going to support our partnership in the village of Hermania in Guatemala. Uh, this is a picture of their existing church building. Uh, it's kind of the, the wood slats, kind of like a metal slash wooden roof and a dirt floor. So uh, the size is big enough, so we're not going to rebuild the entire building. 
Uh, about fell off the stage there as I was moving. Uh, we're not going to rebuild the entire building, but there's some leaks in the roof, and they've requested some solar lights and a few things like that. So this is kind of a, a remodel of the church building is the project that we're going to be doing when we go as a team uh, in July. So our goal for this Christmas offering is $4,000. If you'd like to give by cash or check, we're going to have a special offering for that next Sunday in the service. But anytime uh, online at edwardsburg.church or the Easy Tithe app, you can give uh, just look for the Guatemala Christmas offering tag, and you can give to that anytime uh, throughout the month. So that's coming up uh, here next week. Uh, I'm going to hand things over to Pastor Dan now, and we're going to transition uh, into something else. Uh, one is called a deacon, or you know, official position. One, one is called a deacon, which that word actually means servant. And uh, many times in churches, deacons fill different roles, like they'll uh, be care for the finances as far as handling the, the money and the, uh, just the, you know, checking accounts and everything like that. A lot of times they'll set up, you know, different things as far as the building is concerned and, and so forth. The other position in scripture is the position of elder. And um, the word elder is interchangeable with some other words in the Bible. They use the word shepherd. They use the word overseer. They use the word pastor. But we have five people right now that serve as elders in our church. And the, the job is partly, when you think of a shepherd, you think of, you know, protecting the sheep and caring for the sheep. And partly it is that. But sometimes when you hear the word shepherd, you just immediately think, well, if, if somebody's hurt or broken or what like that, you'll be there for the hospital. And that is definitely part of it. But probably the biggest part of leadership and even shepherding is helping people do what I had this put up here again, not, we're not stuck on that, but uh, what we talk about every week, the whole idea of helping people grow in their relationship to the Lord, connect with him, and uh, connect with each other as far as how the church is supposed to function as a body, and then also just embrace our purpose or the mission that God has called us to in sharing the gospel with people who need to hear it. So, you know, even as uh, elders are meeting uh, tomorrow night, that's one of the things we get to talk about, how that in 2020, we're excited. Uh, the theme, are you ready? You're going to hear this so many times, you're going to want to, anyway. Uh, Be the branch is our January theme. And the idea of being connected to Jesus, who is the vine. And we're really going to focus on that. Next week, we're going to have some little devotional books available that you can use during the month of January as a church together to try to connect there and have some other things with that and then move on to connecting to each other as a body and then move on to connecting with our mission as we move into 2020. I'm pretty excited about it. I love to do that. But that is a big part of what our, our shepherding uh, does or, or what we are supposed to do as shepherds. Well, we wanted to continue, first of all, to grow and build our leadership team here. Also, we wanted to give people the opportunity when they get a chance to take a year off, a sabbatical off or whatever like that. So we have the privilege of adding to our elder team today. About, uh, I'll go ahead and put their picture. I wanted to do it. Um, uh, um, about... Uh, now, now you, you totally threw, threw me off as to what I was going to say. Oh, uh, several years ago when we first began to build an elder team, um, you, many of you know, though I'm an old guy, I'm a rookie pastor. So uh, this is the first time I, I've pastored. So I got some counsel. I said, hey, how do you go about, uh, you know, who do you pick for elders? You know, what's good criteria? And, of course, the first criteria is laid out in Scripture in the books of Timothy and Titus in particular as far as if you want to say the biblical requirements. But once somebody has met those, okay, what do you look for in people? 
And uh, the consensus of opinion, everybody said to me, is, well, the first thing you look for is to find people that are already doing the work of an elder. Some uh, people who are already involved in caring for people. And um, that picture there, Chris, hey, you look pretty good in that picture, Chris. That's a good one. Uh, Chris and Stephanie definitely fit the bill as far as people who have uh, jumped in and began to already care for the family of God. Uh, be involved in sharing the gospel with people. You meet them in the hallway greeting. Uh, Chris is back there helping in the, in the sound booth, uh, leading a small group, uh, working on the missions team. Uh, like I said, I said before, there's not a whole lot around here that, that they're not uh, connected to and, and involved in. Um, so it is our privilege today just to introduce them as elders to you. So I'm going to ask, where would you guys go? Normal spot, okay. Front row over there. I'm going to ask them to come up with uh, Silas and Haley. And uh, we really just want to uh, take some time and just uh, make sure that you know who they are and pray for them. They're officially beginning in 2020. Though, tomorrow night's meeting, I'm buying Portello sandwiches. I'm just saying. You in? Okay. Uh, all right. So he might officially start tomorrow night since we're having Portello sandwiches for Christmas. But what we wanted to do uh, is ask the other elders. Uh, Dennis is going to come up. Dennis is voiceless today. And uh, uh, Craig and Jim and Pastor James. You just kind of surround them, and this is this is not like any magical thing. If if you're new, don't let this freak you out. Uh, but in the New Te New Testament, they often they would lay hands on people, and uh, it's not like <laughs> poof, uh, they're not going to fall over. Nobody needs to catch them or anything like, like that. But it's just kind of a way of saying, hey, we're going to ask that the Lord really bless you, and to whatever extent He has used us and ministered and given Him given us His Spirit to minister, we're asking that uh, you become part of that too. So so I'm going to can I put my hand on you too, Silas? Yes, okay, okay. <laughs> okay, maybe we will be falling over, I don't know. Uh, but that is entirely possible. And I've asked uh, one of our other elders to begin leading in prayer, and uh, uh, Craig Brown's going to begin to pray just for the grand family, and then I'll close in a word of prayer. Father, we're truly grateful that uh, you've set aside this family to serve alongside of us as elders. Uh, Lord, we've watched them for, well, I have for five years, and uh, of course I've worked with Chris for almost four and, Lord, it's been a joy to see what I see here in this building and uh, is exactly what I see at work. And, Lord, I, I thank you for his testimony, uh, for his willingness to pitch in and help and lead wherever is needed. Uh, the way uh, the family just, um, Lord, they're all involved, and we're so thankful for that. And I do pray as um, he steps into this leadership role that um, it will not by any means affect his family life. It will not um, get in the way of uh, his relationship with Stephanie or the kids. But, Lord, you'll just help that to all be strengthened through this time, Lord. And uh, I count it an honor to be able to serve and work alongside him, Lord. And I pray you just um, give us good times coming up and uh, help him to lead us and help us uh, in any way that uh, you see fit. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, there are so many prayers that we have for just the ministry that you give to Chris and to Stephanie and, and moving forward. But I guess what Craig was just praying is the burden on my heart, too, Lord, the the experience of being in leadership here has helped me to draw close to you. And my prayer is just that that would be the case for the Graham family. Uh, I pray for Haley. I pray for uh, si Silas. And I pray for Stephanie and Chris that that would be the experience. That being in leadership here would help them in the midst of ups and downs and everything else to know you better and grow in you. Uh, Lord, please protect them. Uh, strengthen them. And, uh, and Lord, use them, I pray in your name. Amen. 
with that. Let's just clap for them. I don't know, it seems like a good thing to do. And you guys can go ahead. Thank you. If anyone else would like to be an elder, Portello's tomorrow night only. That's not every meeting, but that's the, the Christmas special uh, with that. All right, we're going to continue to worship the Lord together and excited about that. We're going to worship Him also in giving. So those who are taking the offering, if you would come forward. Worship team, yeah, you'd come up too. And we're getting ready to worship Him a little bit more. I can't wait to get to the message today. I'm pretty excited. You excited? Are you going to stay awake? Okay, I'm going to uh, watch it Watch it the whole time. It, it, it's coming. Okay, Father, again, just thank you. Thank you for a chance to gather in your name, worship you, celebrate the King uh, that has come. And uh, Lord, will you speak to us uh, just through your word, uh, through your spirit, even through as we lift now uh, our praises to you. Lord, would you use this time? Thank you, Lord, for the chance to uh, give back to you, uh, knowing that everything we have comes from your hand. Amen. Are you hurting and broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? Jesus is calling. Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Why don't you guys stand with us? Leave behind your regrets and mistakes. Come today, there's no reason to wait. Jesus is calling. Bring your sorrows and trade them for joy. From the ashes a new life is born. Jesus is calling. Oh, come to the altar, the Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, a Savior, isn't he wonderful? Sing hallelujah, 
bow down before him for he is lord of all sing hallelujah christ is risen oh what a savior isn't he Dear God, as we come to the altar and as we bring everything and anything that we're carrying before you, I pray that as we sing this next song that we would know that we are not alone, that we don't go anywhere alone, that we don't go anywhere where your love doesn't go before us, where your love doesn't stay behind us, where your love doesn't surround us in every single way, God. In Jesus' name, amen. When I walk through deep waters, I know that you will be with me. Amen. When I'm standing in the fire, I will not be overcome. Through the valley of the shadow, I will not fear, I am not alone, I am not alone, you will go before me, you will never leave me, oh I am not alone. I am not alone, you will go before me, you will never leave me. In the midst of deep sorrow, I 
see a light is breaking through the dark of night will not overtake me I am pressing into you Lord you find my every battle and I will not fear I am not alone I am not alone you will go before me you will never leave me oh I am not alone I am not alone you will go before me you will never leave me you amaze me redeem me you call me as your own you amaze me redeem me you call me as your own you amaze me redeem me you call me as your own you amaze me redeem me you call me as your own you're my strength you're my defender you're my refuge in the storm Though these trials You've always been faithful You bring healing to my soul I am not alone I am not alone You will go before me you will never leave me oh i am not alone i am not alone you will go before me you will never leave me oh i am not alone i am not alone you will go before me you will never leave me oh i am not alone i am not alone you will go before me you will never leave me have as much fun as I do singing that I really have a good time sorry I gotta get my act together over here you ready well you ready for Christmas I mean what I mean is you ready for a little Christmas sermons Christmas series you ready ready for that we are going to look at the Christmas story this year from several different perspectives beginning today. So since we are beginning, we got to look at the first perspective. So if you have your little bolt in there, it says Christmas in the Old Testament, which means we're going to view the coming of the Messiah, uh, Christmas, as, of course, a promise from God. Now, um, before we get into that for just a second here, I... Uh, 
my family are gamers. I don't know. I know some people are gamers and some people are not gamers. We're, we're gamers. We like to play games, okay? So every Christmas, we have to come up with a new game. Now, we're usually not like right on the cutting edge as far as what things are. I think last year, we discovered Rumi, Rumi Cube. Yeah, I, before that Twister, no, before that, uh, I forget what we have. We're usually pretty far behind. Last year really was the first year we discovered Rumicube. This year, I, I think we're closer, maybe not. I think this has got to be a popular game because I had a real hard time finding it. Wits and Wagers, I had a real hard time finding it. And this is going to be our Christmas game, and we are going to have fun if it kills every last member of my family uh, reading it because it took me a while to find it. But you'll notice that uh, Wits and Wagers, this one is the Vegas edition. It's Vegas, baby. So uh, so we're not only going to have fun, we're going to have, I don't know what, <laughs> might not be good, whatever going to have, but uh, we're going to break into that. But this little game, what you do is they ask you a question that they don't really expect you to know the answer to. Uh, you know, what percentage of Americans are, you know, Irish or some, something like that, and you are to uh, make an educated guess. Okay, and then you put your guesses out there and you see who you think has it right, okay? I'm going to start with a quick little version of that, okay? Are you ready? We're going to talk about the promise of the Old Testament, promise that uh, the Messiah would be born. I want to know how many, you think the answer is, how many specific prophecies about Jesus did he fulfill? In other words, specific, this has to be, uh, you know, uh, you know, very, you know, this is where he was born. This is, uh, you know, where he grew up. Uh, this is how he was going to die. You know, that, that type of thing. Uh, how many you think there are? Take just, just formulate your opinion. See how close you can come here. You want to take a shot? Anybody? Eight? Good guess. Yeah, we, we, I, I gave a preview the, the hour before. Okay, the answer is, I think eight is a very good guess, but it's actually 65 different specific prophecies. Now, there are over 200 messianic verses, verses that predicted about Jesus that have come true, but some of them repeat the same prophecy. There are actually 65 different prophecies. The chances of one person fulfilling those are akin to somebody being struck by lightning like six times. I don't know about you, but I'm thinking after the first two, I'd stay in during an electrical storm. So it's probably a very, very, very slim chance because these are not prophecies that could be self-fulfilled, okay? This is born of a virgin. This is born of the line of David. This is born in Bethlehem. This is grew up in Nazareth, okay? This is rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. All these prophecies were in there. This is to be crucified. This is to be crucified among uh, thieves, or uh, this is to be buried in a rich man's tomb. Okay, all those different things specifically foretold ahead of time in the promises. Now, we're not going to look at all 65 today, uh, but we are going to look at a few of those, and especially we're going to start off with the first promise, and it is a pretty simple one. One of the first promises that God made is, I am going to fix this. Okay, what I mean by that is, going way back to Genesis chapter 3 in the garden, uh, when sin first entered the world, when Adam and Eve first decided that they could do as good a job as God, okay? I know that sounds goofy, but how many times do I do that in my own life? No matter how much the evidence convinces me that I make a really, really, really bad God, I still try to play God sometimes, and I try to take over. And Adam and Eve's first rebellion, which produced a severing, uh, a brokenness in the world, Right away, and by the way, this brokenness and all the results of the sin that went with it haven't even grown up yet. 
to what we have today. All the disease isn't there yet. All the uh, heartache and the war and everything like that isn't even there yet. It has just happened. They have just committed the first sin. And right away, God speaks into this and says, I'm going to fix this. Okay, that you ready for your seminary education of the day? Okay, the theological term for this is that this is the primo evangelical. Are you impressed? Amen, yeah. Uh, but then what we mean is this is the very first time we see the gospel. And I absolutely, you know, I told Curtis I was excited about this message. I'm just excited about this first point. I love this verse. I get, I get so excited. And, and you're going to read it at first. You're going to think, this is a really weird man. But, uh, or maybe you've already thought that. But here's the verse. When God is addressing the sin and the fall and the consequences of it, okay, he speaks to Satan, to the serpent. And he says this, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Now, some of you are like, this is one of your favorite verses? <laughs> it is, though, really. I, I love this idea. God, first of all, says this. There is going to be, I'm going to put enmity between you and the woman that you deceived. Okay, and someday there is going to come one that is her offspring, born of a woman. And here's what's going to happen. You're going to bruise his, I'm sorry, you're going to bruise his heel, but he is going to crush your head. Now, I'm not a great expert in uh, ultimate fighting. Uh, I've never done that, but I'm thinking that a crushed head beats a bruised heel. Are we, are we safe to assume that? And I, you know, I have this weird imagination, but I see this cartoon character snake whenever I read this verse. And this cartoon character snake reaches up and he grabs onto a heel and he has this shy little grin on his face like, <laughs> I got him, I got him. And he's holding on there like that. And then it dawns on him, I am underneath his heel. <laughs> And that heel was about to drop the boom and crush my head. And I watched this cartoon, this is all in my mind. I watched this cartoon snake, and his face goes from, I got him to, uh-oh. <laughs> Maybe I didn't think through this through too clearly. I have a hold of his heel, and that foot is coming down on my head. And then I think of the day when Jesus was crucified, how Satan must have thought, <laughs> God, you sent your son into this world. I killed him. He's dead. But through his death, three days later, he walks out of the tomb. And through this bruising of the heel, gotcha a little bit here, gotcha. God says, I'm going to bring ultimate victory. And he crushes his head. Don't you love that? I, I do. I'm like, oh, that's a weird Christmas message. But I love it. I just love to really think about that promise that right from the very beginning, right from the moment of the fall, right from the time brokenness entered into our world. And like I said, it, it was nothing like it is today. It hadn't spread. It hadn't manif you know, multiplied over and over again. And God says from the very beginning, I'm going to fix this. A second promise that I want you to see, God says, I'm going to bless you. In the uh, book of Genesis, again, in chapter 12, the promise is given to Abraham. And he says, I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And here's what he is saying to Abraham. Now, if you don't know, Abraham is the father of all the, the Jewish race. And here's the promise that he gives to Abraham. He says this, in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. Through your line, through your descendants, I'm going to bless everybody because I'm going to send the Savior through you. And, and th this, is, this is awesome because, you know, sometimes you might get bogged down a little bit in some of the reading of the Old Testament and you wonder, why is this in here and everything like that? But throughout the Old Testament, one of the main themes is the idea that God is preserving his people, the line of Israel, because through that line, the Savior is coming. 
It is about that promise. In fact, there's a book in the Bible, the book of Esther, does not actually even mention the name of God. It doesn't even mention God through it, uh, throughout the entire book, but it does tell the story of how God preserved this line. Okay, how God made sure, hey, you got to know this, I will bless you. A third promise, he says, is that I am coming. In the book of Isaiah, I want to show you, show you what uh, the scripture says here. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and his name shall be called, what? Sorry, I, went, I, I jumped into King James there. Uh, but his name is what? What's it mean? God with us. Okay? Uh, we, we, somebody ought to write a song entitled, I Am Not Alone. We could sing that in church. Never mind. Uh, but uh, one other thing real quickly before we come back to that. He shall eat curds and honey. That was the food of poverty at that time. So this was also a prophecy as to how Jesus would be born into poverty. How Jesus would be born, you know, not having much. In a town of Nazareth is where he's going to grow up. You know, Nazareth was, I think it's about one-sixth the size of Edwardsburg, or it was. Okay, just just so you kind of get the feeling there where he grew up, you know, in poverty and everything like that. But the promise here is really for the first time that we, that we read this idea is, yes, I am going to bless you. Uh, yes, I'm going to fix this. Here's how I'm going to do this. We see the, this idea that God is going to come to do this. That God in a bod is going to come. Okay? Now, um, I was uh, at uh, release time this week. Uh, Pastor James, uh, you know, likes to, when he can, take questions from the kids. And I was just walking through here, and uh, I heard somebody ask him a question, something about to explain the Trinity, how God can be, Jesus is God, and the Father is God, and now they're all God, and stuff like that. And I thought, boy, am I glad they asked Pastor James that. Uh, and, uh, you know, and, and I just, I, I almost wanted to catch the kid and say, hey, when you get an answer to that, could you come tell me? Uh, could you perfectly explain that to me, how that, that, that there is one God in three persons? But God, in the person of Jesus Christ, came to this earth. Emmanuel, God with us. Okay, third promise. You ready for the fourth? The fourth one is this. I am fulfilling. I am coming. I am also fulfilling. Now, what I mean by that is, as we said before, he has fulfilled this multitude of pro specific prophecies about the Savior. But more than that, he is also fulfilling the requirements of a perfectly holy God, the justice of a perfectly holy God. I want to read uh, some for you today from the book of Isaiah, chapter 53. If you have that, be worth turning there to follow along. I don't have these verses all on the screen, but I, I want to because I want to read quite a few here. But if you have that or can get that on your phone real fast, Isaiah 53. Just again, as maybe a little bit of trivia, if I want to say it like that, but uh, is known as the most mess, the most messianic chapter in the Old Testament. It it has the most about the coming Messiah. Okay, and I, I want to take the time to read a little bit. We we may we're going to do a, kind of a Christmas communion next week. That'll be our December communion. We may read this again because you'll see how incredibly applicable it is. But the, the uh, prophet began with this question: Who has believed our uh, believed what? He has heard from us, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him like a young plant, and like a root out of a dry ground. He has no form or majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. Okay, this begins prophesying about Christ. He's going to be like a root out of a dry ground. Uh, even at a time when 
for 400 years, uh, God had been silent we don't, between the Old and the New Testament. And out of this dryness, here comes this root that is going to spring to life. But there's nothing special about him from an earthly standpoint. Okay? There's no form or beauty. You're not going to say, oh, wow, he's just amazing. There's nothing that really stands out about him. And in verse number 3, it says this, he was despised and he was rejected by men. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And, as, and we, as one from whom, I'm sorry, as one from whom we hide our faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Look at verse number four. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. Some of you remember in the Easter story when Jesus is being crucified, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, and yet he opened not his mouth. He was asked, and, and, and he chose to remain silent, a prophecy that was fulfilled there. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like the sheep before the shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken. And as for his generation, who will consider that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people? And that he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. There's, there's not a neat little prophecy there. Jesus made his grave with the wicked. There he hangs on the cross between two uh, criminals. And with the rich, he was buried in a rich man's tomb that was lent, lent to them with his death. Although, the end of verse number 9, he had done no violence. There was no deceit in his mouth. Verse number 10. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see the offspring, and he shall prolong his days, and the will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Look at verse number 11. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous. He shall see and be satisfied. The promise of God is that this Savior who would come, everything, by the way, the majority of the prophecies about the Savior deal with him laying down his life. And again, they are incredibly detailed as to, you know, to see the story unfold of, of how Jesus was crucified. But Isaiah here says this, he was crushed for my iniquities. Okay? By his stripes, I am healed. Because God is going to look on this, and that last verse we read, God is going to be satisfied. There is a penalty for sin. The Scripture says the wages of sin is death. If I never said that, if I never told you there was such a penalty, I would be doing you an incredible disservice. There is a penalty for sin. There is a wage for sin. There is a price because we have a perfect, holy, and just God who cannot allow that sin into His presence there. That sin must be accounted for and paid for. Praise God, Jesus did it. That's what it's saying there. I looked and it's done. You say, Pastor, you, if you're around here a lot, you know I am not a one that tries to pile on guilt and shame. You know why I, I don't? I want you to know that we have an incredible need for a Savior, but I want you to understand that guilt and shame was taken on the cross of Calvary. He paid for that. Yeah, I'll clap for that too. Give him a hand. That's, that's got to pump, pump us up a little bit here uh, as we think about that. So in, you know, how much better can we think of as far as a Christmas message? 
Here's a weird thing. I haven't looked at my notes yet. I wonder what I was supposed to say today. Uh, here it is. Oh, yeah, that was good. Uh, but, uh, but, but anyway, so but we're going to go ahead and move ahead because there's another passage of Scripture that I want to read and, and kind of bring this hold, another passage from the book of, of Isaiah. And this is something that maybe doesn't always get mentioned, if you'll say, at Christmas time because we're focusing on the coming of Jesus, if you want to say, as a baby. And uh, we're going to focus for a few minutes on the coming of Jesus as a king. So, uh, not only did he say, I am coming, but he also said, I am coming again. And we're going to read some from the book of Isaiah, chapter 9. This is a passage that I think as I read it, some of you are going to say, oh yeah, I've heard that before. That goes on Christmas cards and, and different things like that. This is probably the most common uh, Christmassy Old Testament passage that, that people look at. But I'm going to go ahead and begin in verse number 1. It says, there will be no gloom for her. For her who was in anguish. In the former times, he brought in contempt the land of Zebulon, the land of Naphtali. But in the latter times, he, made, he has made glorious the way of the sea and the land beyond Jordan, Galilee of the nations. Look at verse number two. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them has the light shone. You have multiplied the nations and increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with the joy of the harvest and the glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of the burden and the staff of the shoulder, the rod of the oppressor has been broken on that day. Verse number five, every boot of the trampling warrior of the battle tomahawk, every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. I'm going to stop there for just a second. Every trampling boot the armies the conquering armies basically the message is this war is going to end it's going to be over there 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 is going to truly be this light that brings peace verse number six why is all this going to happen because for unto us a child is born to us a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called wonderful counselor mighty god everlasting father prince of peace and of the increase of his government and of his peace, there will be no end. You know, when that things got messed up back in the garden and sin entered the, in the world and that brokenness uh, that, that we see so often in our life, the day is coming when that's no more. That, that he, in his kingdom, there will be no end to this peace. And on the throne of David forever, he will sit over his kingdom and establish it to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forever. Now, I want to talk to you about this promise, but I, I want to tell you, first of all, <laughs> just speaking, just, hey, we're just two of us for a second here. And you could probably kind of tell this, I, I love Sunday mornings. <laughs> Some of you that are around here early, you know, I walk around like a spastic. My, I've told you, my wife kicks me out of the house because I'm so spastic. Uh, you know, it says, go into church and walk around there for a while because you're driving me crazy. But, you know, but it is not like nervousness. It's, it's just excitement. I love, I mean, think about what I just got to do for the last few minutes here. I mean, you know, this is awesome. Uh, and, I, and I really love that. And if that was all that there is to being a pastor that would be like, best job ever, uh, you know, th that you could have. There are times, though, I don't know how, as a pastor, I, I just feel lame. I feel, 
like I got nothing sometimes. You're yeah, sure on Sunday morning, you know, I can't, you know, I'm standing up and I'm excited and I'm proclaiming uh, the message and excited about it. But then, you know, uh, I'm talking to somebody who's just got the cancer diagnosis and it's not looking very good. Or I'm talking to somebody that, uh, man, my, my mom or my dad or, you know, they've lost their mind. They're in the nursing home. This is so hard, you know. I'm talking to somebody whose marriage is on the rocks, and it's like, oh, I don't, I don't think this is salvageable. I don't know how this is going to happen. I'm talking to somebody who's lost their job, and, and I'm talking to somebody that is in the midst of this brokenness. And I, and I want to tell you the truth, how I feel sometimes. Now, I'm going to tell you how I feel, and then I'm going to preach to myself and tell you why, why it's wrong to feel this way, okay? Sometimes I feel like, oh, what I'm saying is so lame because what I'm going to tell you is, well, it won't always be like that. The day is coming when there will be peace. You know, back in, uh, I guess it was in the 60s, John Lennon wrote the, So this is Christmas. Uh, that was beautiful. <laughs> I see a tear, it brought a tear to your ear. But, uh, but anyway, uh, some of you remember in that little song, the chorus in the background sings, War is over, war is over. Anybody with me? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, I felt like I lost you there for a minute. But, uh, but uh, you know, and that idea that war is over, yeah, that war might have been over, but Vietnam's coming, and that war might be over, but this one's coming, and that, yeah, and it, it, it's always. And my message is, hey, this world is messed up, and, and here's, you know, I'd love to be able to stand up and tell you, but pray for world peace. You can pray for world peace all you want, but I want to tell you this, world peace is going to come when Jesus comes back. And it's not going to come before that. I wish I could tell you differently. I'm not saying you don't, you don't strive, but, but I see people that are, I don't know how else to say it, they're stuck here in between. They're in between the first coming of Jesus and the inauguration of that salvation and of that setting things light of that redemption that Josh talked about last week, that, that restoration of that relation, of reconciliation where we, we've experienced that and we've seen that, but... We're still stuck in this world. And the sin nature we still have, we still battle with. So it's like, you know, why can't I do better with this? And the world that we watch is still heartbroken and, and it's heartbreaking sometimes. And the situations like that. And then, you know, and the pastor talks about, you know, have a holly jolly Christmas and this is all great. And, you know, and when it comes down to my life, sometimes it just doesn't, it just isn't there. And sometimes I feel like, uh, I feel lame. Like, okay, because here's what I'm going to tell you. You're, you're suffering right now, I know, but you won't always be suffering. And it is true, but at the same, do, you, do you understand where I am? I'm kind of like, you know, yeah, but give me, give me something else here. But here's the, here's the thing that I, I want us to know that I think is so important and why it is so important that we took the journey that we took through the Old Testament promises, that you might even look up more Old Testament promises that Jesus fulfilled and understand that because it is so incredibly important that we know the source of the promise that we have, the one who said, I am coming back and I will set all this right. When I was a uh, teacher, uh, I, I really do have a hard time when I feel like I'm losing people. <laughs> I mean, if I feel like everybody's checking out on me, you know, I want to stand on my head up here or something like that. Listen! Uh, like that. So when I used to teach history, which is everybody's favorite subject and very exciting, uh, but when I used to teach history, sometimes I would just randomly, you know, break into something like I'd be teaching along and I knew nobody's paying attention and I'd say something like, you know, and then for two years, uh, George Washington spent some time on an alien spaceship and while he was there, uh, you know, he, he, you know, th these different things happened and I'd go through and it usually take a few minutes before the kids started to realize that 
I was lying to them. Uh, and, uh, you know, I was just making something up to try to bring their attention back. And, uh, and after a while, with one class in particular, I get to the place where uh, I'd say, I'd start telling them, and I'd stop, and I'd say, has, uh, have I ever lied to you before? And they would in unison say, every day. <laughs> I like that. Great relationship I had with my students. But, um, you know, but I'd stop and I'd say, hey, have I ever lied to you before? But see, that, that's, that's the whole idea is that we need to understand the source of this promise that we're looking at. That's why I want to say, you know, that's why we got 39 books of the Old Testament that go through and tell the story of, the, of how God was working to fulfill his promise. And we'll look at it a couple of weeks when we look in the book of Luke, we'll see some of that uh, fulfillment and how God rearranges everything just to accomplish this thing but that we know who this one is who has promised i'm coming back okay i cannot tell you that uh you know i, I you know what i mean i, I kind of want a pastor to have a prayer oh you guys had a fight be healed uh, oh you got a bad diagnosis Bomba. Uh, like that i want to be able to do that i want to be able to fix it and instead i come and i say hey you know what <laughs> you know what i said the king is coming Okay, the, the Prince of Peace is coming. The mighty God is coming back. Uh, he has promised that, that he's come back. And if I told you that promise, I would understand your skepticism and I would under, understand, hey, maybe, maybe this is just lame. But the one who gave you that promise is the one who fulfills every prophecy down to every little detail in Jesus Christ. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that something to take with us as we move forward into the Christmas season? The king has come. The promised king has come. I love it. Okay, I think we have time to sing. You ready? Let's sing again. What, we're, we're singing about him being with us again, right? That's a great song to walk out of here with, isn't it? I'm not alone. I love that. Okay. I'm excited. In the midst of deep sorrow, I see a light is breaking through. The dark of night will not overtake me. I am pressing into you. Lord, you find my every battle, and I will not fear. I am not alone. I am not alone. You will go before me. You will never leave me. Oh, I am not alone. I am not alone You will go before me You will never leave me You amaze me, redeem me You call me as your own You amaze me, redeem me You call me as your own You amaze me, redeem me you call me as your own. You amaze me, redeem me. You call me as your own. 
You're my strength, you're my defender. You're my refuge in the storm. Through these trials, you've always been faithful. You bring healing to my soul. I am not alone. I am not alone. You will go before me. You will never leave me. Oh, I am not alone. I am not alone. You will go before me. You will never leave me. Oh, I am not alone. I am not alone. You will go before me. You will never leave me. Oh, I am not alone. I am not alone. You will go before me. You will never leave me. <laughs> to go in the presence of this God who has fulfilled every prophecy about the first coming of Jesus and promises to fulfill every promise about his second coming. Amen? Amen. You're dismissed.